Chapter Three, Book Five of Amelia, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gaby Cowan. Amelia, Volume Two by Henry Fielding. Chapter Three, relating principally to the affairs of Sergeant Atkinson the next day when all the same company atkinson only excepted assembled in amelia's apartment mrs ellison presently began to discourse of him and that in terms not only of approbation but even of affection she called him her clever sergeant and her dear sergeant repeated often that he was the prettiest fellow in the army and said it was a thousand pities he had not a commission for that if he had she was sure he would become a general i am of your opinion madam answered booth and he had got one hundred pounds of his own already if he could find a wife now to help him two or three hundred more i think he might easily get a commission in a marching regiment for i am convinced there is no colonel in the army would refuse him refuse him indeed said mrs ellison no he could be a very pretty coronel that did and upon my honour i believe there are very few ladies who would refuse him if he had but a proper opportunity of soliciting them the coronel and the lady both would be better off than with one of those pretty masters that i see walking about and dragging their long swords after them when they should rather drag their leading strings well said cries booth and spoken like a woman of spirit indeed i believe they would be both better served true captain answered mrs ellison i would rather leave the two first syllables out of the word gentleman than the last nay i assure you replied booth there is not a quieter creature in the world though the fellow had the bravery of a lion he had the meekness of a lamb i can tell you stories enough of that kind and so can my dear amelia when he was a boy oh if the match sticks there cries amelia i positively will not spoil his fortune by my silence i can answer for him for his infancy that he was one of the best natured lads in the world i will tell you a story or two of him the truth of which i can testify from my own knowledge when he was about but six years old he was at play with me at my mother's house and a great pointer dog beat him through the leg the poor lad in the midst of the anguish of his wound declared he was overjoyed it had not happened to me for the same dog had just before snapped at me and my petticoats had been my defence another instance of his goodness which greatly recommended him to my father and which i have loved him for ever since was this my father was a great lover of birds and strictly forbade the spoiling of their nests poor joe was one day caught upon a tree and being concluded guilty was severely lashed for it but it was afterwards discovered that another boy a friend of joe's had robbed the nest of its young ones and poor joe had climbed the tree in order to restore them notwithstanding which he submitted to the punishment rather than he would impeach his companion 
but if these stories appear childish and trifling the duty and kindness he had shown to his mother must recommend him to everyone ever since he had been fifteen years old he had more than half supported her and when my brother died i remember particularly joe at his desire for he was much his favorite had one of his suits given him but instead of his becoming finer on that occasion another young fellow came to church in my brother's clothes and my old nurse appeared to the same sunday in a new gown which her son had purchased for her with the sale of his legacy well i protest he's a very worthy creature said mrs bennet he's a charming fellow cries mrs ellison but then the name of sergeant captain wood there as the play says my pride brings me off again and whatsoever the sages charge on pride the angels fall and twenty other good falls beside on earth i am sure i am sure something calling pride saves man and our sex too from falling here a footman's rap at the door shook the room upon which mrs ellison running to the window cried out let me die if it is not my lord what shall i do i must be at home to him but suppose he should inquire for you captain what shall i say or will you go down with me the company were in some confusion at this instant and before they had agreed on anything booth's little girl came running into the room and said there was a prodigious great gentleman coming up the stairs she was immediately followed by his lordship who as he knew booth must be at home made very little or no inquire at the door amelia was taken somewhat at a surprise but she was too polite to show much confusion for though she knew nothing of the town she had had a gentle education and kept the best company the country afforded the ceremonies therefore passed as usual and they all sat down his lordship soon addressed himself to booth saying as i have what i think good news for you sir i could not delay giving myself the pleasure of communicating it to you i have mentioned your affair where i promised you and i have no doubt of my success one may easily perceive you know from the manner of people's behaving upon such occasions and indeed when i related your case i found there was much inclination to serve you great men mr booth must do things in their own time but i think you may depend on having something done very soon booth made many acknowledgments for his lordship's goodness and now a second time paid all the thanks which would have been due even had the favour been obtained this art of promising is the economy of a great man's pride a sort of good husbandry in conferring favours by which they receive tenfold in acknowledgments for every obligation i mean among those who really intend the service for there are others who cheat poor men of their thanks without ever designing to deserve them at all this matter being sufficiently discussed the conversation took a gayer turn and my lord began to entertain the ladies with some of that elegant discourse which though most delightful to hear it is impossible should ever be read his lordship was so highly pleased with amelia that he could not help being somewhat particular to her 
but this particularity distinguished itself only in a higher degree of respect and was so very polite and so very distant that she herself was pleased and at his departure which was not till he had far exceeded the length of a common visit declared he was the finest gentleman she had ever seen with which sentiment her husband and mrs ellison both entirely concurred mrs bennet on the contrary expressed some little dislike to my lord's compliances which she called excessive for my own part said she i have not the least relish for those very fine gentlemen what the world generally calls politeness i term insincerity and i am more charmed with the stories which mrs booth told us of the honest surgeon than with all that the finest gentlemen in the world ever said in their lives oh to be sure cries mrs ellison all for love of the world well lost is a motto very proper for some folks to wear in their coat of arms but the generality of the world will i believe agree with that lady's opinion of my cousin rather than with mrs bennet mrs bennet seeing mrs ellison took offence of what she said thought proper to make some apology which was very readily accepted and so ended the visit we cannot however put an end to the chapter without observing that such is the ambition's temper of beauty that it may always apply to itself that celebrated passage in lucan nec quencam jam ferre potest chacerbe priorum pompeius parem indeed i believe it may be laid down as a general rule that no woman who had any great pretensions to admiration is ever well pleased in a company where she perceives herself to fill only the second place this observation however i humbly submit to the judgment of the ladies and hope it will be considered as retracted by me if they shall dissent from my opinion End of chapter three recorded by Gabby Cowan.